right, good morning, folks. What's going on? Today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. Welcome to episode 383 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, but really it's going to be 60, me, you, Chris K. Hall, Amadou Ba, Stephanie Lukowski, Olu, Matthew Necci, in and out because of the region's testing are going to be, or no, that's Matthew Pelkey, are going to be doing the top cyber news of the day. CJ dropping a super bomb right off the rip. Guys, we got a great show for you. You're going to have a wonderful time this next hour. I guarantee you. Hello, everybody. Uh, Super pumped. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier. Over the next 45 minutes, all of us are going to be going over the top cyber news stories of the day. I'll be doing a threat briefing on it. This is the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast where we rip through the top stories and basically give you what you need to be able to be tactical and strategic at work if you're a cyber practitioner or if you're an individual looking to break into the industry. You've been grinding, you've been doing the courses, the labs, the hands-on, the resume, the sessions, the webinars. This podcast is going to add massive value to you because you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current? This right here is a wonderful answer. And the reason you get asked that question is because staying current on the trends and what's going on in our industry is critically important to be able to actually deliver cyber risk reduction to an organization of any size. But before we get into that, I want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor and the gang over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Guys, if you didn't know Barricade Cyber Solutions, they're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for business owners and send dedicated, hardworking uh, business owners into turmoil. Oh man, my brain is all cooked up right now. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Do me a favor, check them out at barricadecyber.com. Think of them as digital firefighters. Um, you want to know who they are and how to get a hold of them when your business catches fire. Eric Taylor, good looking fella. His calendar's right here on stream if you're watching. You can get with him right after this threat briefing at 10 a.m. today if you want and discuss how to help your business. Also want to say shout out and thanks to Panopsi. It is Thursday. What's your meme Thursday? So look forward to that. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Panopsi's quantified risk assessment. And then we'll be done with the sponsor reads. Thank you so much, Brandon Poole and the Panopsi team for sponsoring the stream. Guys, uh, Panopsi delivers quantified risk assessments, which is a capability that will look at your people, process, and technology, understand your industry, understand your threat landscape, and then dump out a report that'll give you insights into what your actual probability of suffering certain cybersecurity incidents are, and then give you outlines on how to actually reduce that cyber risk to acceptable levels. It's like looking into a crystal ball and saying, brah, you're going to get ransomware in the next 12 months, I guarantee it. And then being like, um, how do I fix that? And it's like, well, you put multi-factor in, teach Carl not to use bad passwords, invest in uh, network segmentation, like whatever it is, that's what a quantified risk assessment tells you. And it's incredibly valuable. And believe this, I, getting the quantified risk assessment after a cyber incident, it'll help, but it won't be the soothing aloe for the sunburn that is a ransomware incident that you're going to have. Believe that. All right. So use a quantified risk assessment, get informed, engage with the business. If you're live with us right now, I see 143 of you beautiful people on this Thursday morning. Drop a hashtag team live in chat. Or if you're Algeboy Ebenezer on LinkedIn, you can drop a team live. I love the energy. Algeboy, that's awesome. 
guys, if you're watching on replay, hashtag replay in the comments. Team replay are people too, and I love engaging with y'all in the comments. I do it in the evenings. It's part of my routine. It's a lot of fun. Hashtag team replay. If you're getting here later, you got to leave early. Do a little team hybrid. We know you consume the, the whole show, but you just do it on your schedule and time allowances, and that's cool. Team hybrid, we are inclusive here. There's no us and them. It's all just us. And then finally, my favorite hashtag, Passive Observer. If you're shy, if you see this stream flying by, Edward Moore, what's up in Europe? Good to see you. If you see the stream flying by and you're like, oh, I wish I could comment too, but I don't, I don't have anything good to add or I don't want people to make fun of what I'm going to say or whatever. Whatever your reason is or you're just, you just don't want to type, I will encourage you to drop a hashtag, Passive Observer, in the chat. The value of professional networking cannot be overstated. It is unbelievably valuable to you. Please start building your professional network. Hashtag Passive Observer. And when someone says it, welcome him into the chat. Aaron Vaughn. Hello, Aaron. We'll give Aaron Vaughn a what's up. It's as easy as that, everybody. Now, why would you want to be like, hey, Team Live, hey, Team Replay, all that? Guys, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is worth half a CPE, which isn't a lot, but it does stack up if you're here every single day like I am. Two and a half a week, 10 a month. Get the CPEs, document it by, you know, dropping a line in chat, and, uh, you know, let's have some good times. As I said, it is What's Your Meme Thursday it is a meme that Dan Reardon, a.k.a. the Haircut Fish, he's in chat right now. He makes for the channel every single Thursday. I do not approve or disapprove it. I simply take it from Dan and I put it in front of you. And uh, <laughs> you're going to want to see today's. Um, I Put it this way. I, when it, Dan sent it to me, I responded with the OMG and then the stunned eye emoji, if that tells you anything about what we're going to be consuming here in a second. Thanks, Ramstore, for the sub. Good to see you. All right, guys. With that, why don't you do me a favor? Sit back, relax, grab your coffee. I've got to have a, a sip of coffee myself here. Stay tuned to the end. There's going to be some major jaw jacking going on. Oh, this coffee is so good. <laughs> and it's just coffee. <laughs> I had a I had a regular <laughs> I had a regular Simply Cyber community member DM me and ask me if I'm putting like uh <laughs> like boom juice, you know what I mean, or special special stuff in my coffee. <laughs> it's just coffee. Oh my god, it's good though. All right, guys, do me a favor, sit back, relax and let the cool waves of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave. I'll see you guys all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, June 8th, 2023. Google improves brand email authentication. Brand impersonation with email is a tale as old as time. Last month, Google thought it cracked the nut with its brand indicators for message identification. Effectively, this would provide a blue authentication checkmark for brands enrolled in the program. Security professional Chris Plummer raised alarms that Google's original approach could be open for abuse, saying it makes users much more likely to act on content of erroneously verified messages. He cited an email verified as coming from UPS that hit his inbox, but was in fact a scam. This pairs with advice from security researcher Alex Liu, who noted malicious actors generally quickly adopt these new types of protocols in hopes of slipping through the cracks. 
In response to Plummer's findings, Google now requires brands to use the more robust Domain Keys Identified Mail Authentication Standard to qualify for its verification system. All right. Uh, <clears throat> so this is cool. I didn't even know about this. Um, oh, God. The Verizon data breach report already being cited in news stories already. It's like one day old. Like, you know, it's still got the um, it's like the, 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 the bind on the report isn't even broken yet. And it's already being cited. Such a good report. Such a good report. OK, um, I didn't even know Google was lo rolling this out. Uh, a question for chat. I have noticed, uh, I, I'm a Google Mail user. I have noticed a significant uptick in the amount of phishing emails that get through. Mostly like, here's a PayPal invoice, or here is, you've won like a Dick's Sporting Good Yeti cooler, or you've won a pickleball set or some stuff like that. Hey, use genius. Welcome to the squad. So I, I have seen an uptick in that. So I've actually been kind of disappointed on Google's filters i do report the fishes hopefully we can get back yeah jamie flex seen it too so i don't know what's going on i did not see this um security control that they're talking about in here so um google is saying that they actually have a service where if it's coming from an ibm or a dick sporting goods or you know really like a large enterprise company they can basically have a blue check mark very similar to twitter uh, before twitter became you could just buy blue check marks um but I digress. You you could have a blue check mark to say, oh, like this is legitimately IBM or this is legitimate Dick Sporting Goods. And the concept is that end users like our good friend Carl can visually quickly uh, ascertain the authenticity of the sender of the email. This is very much a more modern, more beautified version of like the banner that most businesses put in their corporate internal emails. It says, you know, it's usually like red font, yellow highlighter. And so it's like, this email came from outside, be cautious or whatever, right? Which is a fine control. It's kind of, you know, hideous, but it's a fine control. Google's got the blue check mark. Well, apparently, even and and by the way, this is a perfect example of threat actors being a cat and mouse game. I say this: if you are a regular of the squad, um, it, the, the the threat briefing podcast, you know I say this all the time. Our industry, and this is why you got to watch the podcast and stay current. Our industry is a constant cat and mouse. The second we put something in place, um, threat actors quickly start pivoting in order to circumvent that or find another way around. We saw it with Office Macros and Felina. Like that's my regular go-to case study. This. Blue check mark comes out. Threat actors figure a way to get around the blue check mark. Now Google is throwing the, a third-party company, which they don't um, actually name in the story. Uh, they're they're throwing it fully under the bus. Like back the bus up, take the third party. Back the bus up, take the third party, lift them up, whip them drive the bus over them. It wasn't like an accidental push off the sidewalk under the bus. It was a full on like, we are going to insert you under the bus, then we're going to get in the driver's seat and we're going to drive, which is okay if they really messed it up. I mean, they didn't name them. So Google's addressing this. It sucks that um, basically somebody had to call them out on Twitter in the public sphere and get that um, jacked up and fixed. I do appreciate it though. This is one of the reasons why I love social media and public discourse because it's an opportunity for the masses, for the people to be able to coordinate and affect change, right? And I know like 
that sounds big words like, oh, we're going to, you know, it's a revolution. We're going to, you know, change the way climate change is done or whatever. But like for something like this, you know, <clears throat> organizations are probably falling prey to this because, again, Carl will click on dumb stuff. And, you know, a security researcher said something and Google fixed it. So way to go, Google. Way to go, Google. I will continue to use your products. It would take a lot for me to stop using Google products. I am so vendor locked into them right now that, you know, I'm just short of like the <laughs> like the the rainbow colored Google knuckle tattoos at this point. All right, let's keep going. SEC drops cases due to data protection failures. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission dismissed 42 cases due to its staff accessing documents only intended for judges. This came after a review that began back in April 2022 when it disclosed two other cases that broke similar legal rules. Due to insufficient safeguards within the agency, staffers could download restricted databases and share access through internal memos. The SEC said it found no evidence that the control deficiency resulted in harm to any respondent or affected the commission's adjudication in any proceeding. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. Oh my God. Bruh. All right. So basically, <laughs> basically, um, file permissions, data classification, sensitivity controls, not handled, media controls. Go check your, I think it's NIST control MP3 media labeling. Um, might have to fact check me on that. I'll be embarrassed, but uh, fact check me. I think it's MP3. Media labeling. <clears throat> Here's the deal, guys. When you're dealing with legal litigation, court cases, sensitive information, whether it's national security or it's an investigation, law enforcement, I'm looking at you. I know the Leos are up in here. <laughs> that's just a shout out for the Leos. Oh, I forgot we had Antoine Dotson emotes. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so here's the deal. In most companies, we don't do data classification, okay? The field is called information security. And a lot of people lose sight of that because cybersecurity has trampled it. But before cybersecurity, it was information security. It was literally protecting information, right? So the systems are important as well. But in real, uh, in, in larger enterprises and you know more sensitive environments, you need data classification. The most common example of this is where you see top secret stamping, secret stamping, right? Classified information and non-classified information. This is the most common example of data classification. Well, when you 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 drill into it a little bit more. What's up, Tom Bishop? Good to see you, buddy. When you drill into it a little bit more, there's also, hey, like this is for these eyes only. Like this is for this office only. Another example, like HR, you're not allowed to see personnel files, only HR is. And usually the permissions are just controlled on like a file server or something like that. You're not like media marking them because it's a lot of work and it's a pain in the butt. And it's very difficult to maintain accurately. Well, this is a perfect example where the SEC likely their IT staff, with all due respect, the IT staff got a little uh, mixed up or bollocks or the business side that was controlling these different case files did not properly inform or manage the uh, data sensitivity or the data classification processes. And was like, oh, what's the big deal? Like, you know, Paul, Paul Grazulius, do I say that right, Paul? Paul Grazulis? Paul Grazulis, he works on like, you know, drug trafficking cases or, or he's working on the Binance thing and Arturo's working on the, um, the Coinbase thing. So don't worry about it. They're not going to look at each other. But in reality, curiosity, human nature, mistakes, 
um, opportunities to like, ooh, like let's see what uh, the Coinbase folks are doing to see if it, I could implement that with our um, Binance investigation, right? So there's a million different reasons. None of it's not all nefarious. It's not all malicious, but stuff like that happens. And now because of this. Because of this breakdown in control, which again is what we do as practitioners, we introduce control in order to reduce risk while maintaining usability and functionality for the business. That's what, by the way, what I just said is what information security is in an absolute nutshell. What I just said is the definition, okay? That's our job. So the SEC has to drop all these cases. So it's possible 42 different businesses were screwing over their shareholders or doing insider trading or doing you know bad stuff and they're not going to be held accountable because of a freaking inter-office snafu. So hopefully they get that sorted out. It's not good. By the way, second quick shout out um, the register, this this news art uh, resource right here, they always they always have the funniest words. Like they use the word miscreant every uh, once in a while, and I love it. And then um, they just said something else, uh, bungled. I think they use the word bungled right here. Yeah, 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 bungled. Man, you know you're having a rough day when you get um, accused of bungling data. I mean that's straight just like boneheaded moves. Grazulis, very cool. What's up? Chris Cahill from the UK. Love it. Op asks victims to contact it for a ransom. Usually in the all-too-common ransomware dance, the organization behind an attack will leave a ransom note or otherwise contact a victim with payment demands. However, the Klopp ransomware gang is trying a new tactic. The group took credit for a recent breach of the MoveIt managed file transfer service. It posted a notice on its leak site advising impacted organizations to email the group for ransom demands by June 14th, or they'll publish data stolen in these attacks. Victims allegedly include the BBC, British Airways, and the Nova Scotia government. Some security experts suspect this approach may be the result of Klopp exfiltrating so much data that it would just be easier for impacted organizations to contact it instead. Holy crap. Okay. That's interesting. So, here's the deal. Um, this is interesting, okay? You don't see this... I mean... All right, here's the deal. Threat actor stole a bunch of data. Normally, they have a public leak site where they'll say, hey, attention, Ford Motor, I got your data. Or, and you can ask Eric Taylor, Barricade Cyber, they'll contact the organization because there's a way to make a, um, you know, like info at Simply Cyber or, you know, uh, PR at Ford Motor or what, you know what I mean? Like there's a, <clears throat> you can easily get email addresses and then they'll email with a screenshot of data and say, I own you, like, here's a ransom note or they'll leave the ransom note straight up on the desktop of the infected machine saying, here's the ransom. You have this to pay. This is why it's happening, right? There's a million different ways to inform your victim that you've got their data. Uh, I do not know if it wasn't clear to me in uh, chat. Let me know. Um, it wasn't clear to me if they ransomware these instant, uh, these businesses or if they just exfiltrated all their data and because it sounds like all they did was exfiltrate the data. I didn't. Hold on. Let me just search for the word ransomware. Um, Russia's. Uh, so, yeah, it doesn't say they ransomware these victims, but Klopp is a ransomware threat actor group. Um, now, what's really interesting here is that they said that they've posted on a dark web that they've got the data of these people and they're going to release it. Now, you might think, well, well uh, how's what what? Well, there's people who work for security operations companies 
like CrowdStrike, like um, FireEye and Mandiant and Cisco and Google uh, Tag and, you know, like the, 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 there's all these that are inside the, the dark web and the threat actors, the Clop Ransomware gang, for instance, they know that not everybody in their dark web form is a bad guy or a criminal. They know that law enforcement and um, threat intel analysts are in there. So when they post it on the dark web form, they know full well that, you know, quote unquote, good guys are going to see it and communicate it out. So there's, it's not like they're like hoping the word gets out. They know full well. Um, the fact that they said that the uh, prevailing theory is that they have so many different victims um, data that it's easier instead of contacting all them to, ha to be contacted by them. Um, first of all, with all due respect, like that sounds incredibly <laughs> lazy. Right. Like I, I get that, like you're trying to make it easier on yourself, but dude, like if your whole business is stealing data and selling it and you're going to go through the, all the effort with a novel uh, exploit, right. That took John Hammond a weekend to, to come up with, right. If you're going to do that, why not just go the, the one step further and finish the, the, the crime. You know what I mean? It just, I don't know. It seems like you're, you know, kind of taking a, piss down your leg like like what are you doing like you do all the effort to get the product and then you're you're like it, it's like it's like it's like baking a bunch of cupcakes you're going to become a baker right baking a bunch of cupcakes and then just like standing at the bakery counter and waiting for someone to walk in and buy it instead of like going outside and being like we got cupcakes up in here here cupcakes like what are you doing just like you you've done 90 percent of the work do the final 10 percent. i don't know why um, it's upsetting me. <laughs> it makes no freaking sense why I'm upset that these threat actors are not finishing it. I guess I just, I just like, I, I like, I, I like working, you know, it, it's like a quality thing for me. Like, dude, if you're going to do it, do it right. Well, like, what are you doing, doing it like this? This is, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's, 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 it's an excellence thing. It's a standards of excellence thing. We'll see where it goes. I'm sure they're making a ton more money than me. And uh, it sucks um, that the you know all these these organizations have been compromised. BBC, British Airways, Boots, which I've never heard of, um, Swiper, no swipe, huh? Huh? Little uh, little little side reference there. All right, guys, we'll see where this goes. But Clop Ransomware has definitely been prolific uh, in the last. I would say in the last like three months, Clop Ransomware has been really up in their uh, up in the public eye. Here you go. GPT comes to Azure government. We've seen concerns from various organizations about generative AI leading to data leaks. In response, some organizations have banned things like using ChatGPT. And we've heard Microsoft plans to offer private ChatGPT servers as a response. Now, Microsoft will also add the popular OpenAI language models GPT-3 and GPT-4 to its Azure government service. Various U.S. government departments use Azure Government, and the Defense Department's Defense Technical Information Center confirmed it will be experimenting using the models in Azure. This offering won't include ChatGPT, although Microsoft says customers can access the models through a chat-like interface. And now a word. All right, so Microsoft bringing OpenAI. No surprise here. Again, Microsoft spent forty billion dollars on ChatGPT. The U.S. government is one of the largest clients any professional services company or, um, you know, they have huge contracts. I do find it funny. Um, it, 
okay, so I find it funny, and this is like kind of a a niche uh, observation that a lot of people may not understand. But the U.S. government moves at the speed of like molasses going downhill in the winter, right? They don't move quick, and it, there was a major deal uh, that the go- U.S. government put out for bid a couple years ago for like cloud, and you know basically Google and Microsoft and Amazon are the only three companies that could possibly serve the need that the that, that the request was and Amazon uh, or Microsoft won it initially and Amazon lost their mind and filed like um, filed a claim that they couldn't do it and then they recompeted and then like Amazon won it and like Google lost their mind and f- flipped out right so but this whole thing took years I don't even know if it's been resolved I think Microsoft ultimately won it protest thank you I think I think Microsoft ultimately won it but the, my point is it took years okay <laughs> OpenAI blew up like in, I don't know, March of this year. And now there's already like a government contract for Microsoft to bring OpenAI. It's almost like, it's almost like ChatGPT wrote the RFP or wrote the bid and then the RFP and then responded to it. Like this, this moved incredibly fast, like incredibly fast. Um, The only other thing I would uh, mention is that I'm, I'm surprised that other, you know, AI engines like Google is not flipping out about this saying like, oh, we could, we could bring BARD to the U.S. government. So we'll see. Again, we live in the AI age. It's freaking scary. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I think that the, the one TLDR here for everybody is that I'm seeing a lot of people ask. Um, I've even had some people DM me. Like businesses, large businesses want to... Um, oh my God, Alana! Right, government contracting and proposals—the worst. Um, so here's the thing: a lot of businesses want to integrate AI and ChatGPT into their business, into their workflows, but there's been like a hard stop on just wholesale copy and pasting into ChatGPT because we saw very early on like Samsung engineers dropping intellectual property into ChatGPT. People lost their mind for a good reason. So we're at this like impasse where businesses really want it, but they don't have a mechanism to do it. Carl and accounting is is still doing it. You're having to block it at the firewall, which is not really that great because AI is being integrated in all sorts of products. So this right here is Microsoft's like kind of... Um, solution at least for the government is to say hey you can have you know this instance for you it doesn't look like it's going to have a um a text interface it's more of just the model to be able to do stuff inside of it which is more advanced ai stuff than i've got but there's private instances too oh i do thank you shall we play <laughs> thank you very much cj uh, i appreciate you guys helping me uh produce the show uh sometimes i forget these things Anyways, um, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. From our sponsor, Trend Micro. Hybrid work, cloud adoption, and shadow IT have introduced new cybersecurity risks to organizations. Security leaders are left asking, how can I manage our expanding attack surface? Trend Micro, oh, the global thanks, leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities in their Risk to Resilience World Tour. Hear from experts on the latest threat landscape trends, solutions, and platform strategies to manage risk and defend your organization with speed and accuracy. Find the closest city to you and register today to take a leap toward a more resilient future. Give me one second. Head on over to trendmicro.com slash CISO series. All right. Hey, if if it's the mid-roll, 
Uh, we do the same thing here. Uh, I've got to do something that's going to take me five seconds. You do something that takes five seconds. Hit the like button. I'll be back. Hold on. All right, guys. Thank you for that. Had to take the puppies out. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade, Cyber, and Panopside. Thank you, squad members, for your support. You guys are uh, sponsoring the show as well with your squad membership. CJ with the Super Chat sponsoring the show. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much. Everybody, thank you, all of you. Um, if you're getting entertainment value, if you're getting education value, hit the like button. It basically, it triggers the YouTube algorithm to tell other people who like cyber content what we're doing here. You may have found the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Pre Podcast the same way. If it's your first day here, let us know in chat. I always love to say hello and welcome to the new people. We seem to have new people every single day. 261 of you gorgeous people here this morning. Good to have you. Guys, I want to um, tell everybody about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge before we do the meme of the day. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an ongoing initiative for individuals in our community to connect with each other and build their professional network. You will see an underlying theme in whatever I say, and it's that professional networking is so incredibly valuable. I have not applied for my last two jobs. People found me and asked me, what will it take to come work for you? Why? Because I knew them through professional networking. I have helped place people into jobs because of professional networking. I have connected people. It's, I'm telling you, professional networking is incredibly valuable. You yourself may have a story about the value of your professional network. I've interviewed multiple people on Simply Cyber about breaking into the industry. All of them, all of them, 100% said that they had wished they had started networking sooner because it's so valuable. This is an initiative that we started in order to facilitate that. Go on LinkedIn, look for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge hashtag and connect with the people who are commenting and posting on it. Sean Washington currently holds the baton. Sean, if you could tag somebody with the Community Challenge baton, we'd love to keep the train going. Thank you, Jesse Johnson, agree 100%. Hey guys, uh, I don't know if Jenny's here. Kimberly, if you would, can you kind of manage the uh, baton pass and, and see if Sean or Jenny, um, and I'm gonna keep rolling. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Sean. All right, guys, now every single, every single um, Thursday, our good friend, um, Dan Reardon, AKA the Haircut Fish, produces a meme of the week. I do not review this meme, so you guys are getting it fresh. Now, if you remember on Tuesday's show, we were talking about DEF CON and the Satellite Hacking Village, and I talked about sending, getting on a satellite because you're gonna go hack it. You can't ride a rocket up to the moon and ride a So I made something about blowing fire out my butt. <laughs> and Dan took that as a personal challenge and uh, developed this. So here you go, here is me, if I was gonna hack a satellite, going directly to the source. Get, doing the physical security attack on a satellite. Thank you so much, Dan Reardon, for your continued support. I love the consistency. Week in and week out, you can count on Dan for the meme of the week. Hilarious, never, never, uh, um, <laughs> never disappointing. I love it. 
All right, guys, let's slide back in to the... Uh, I see Sean's about to tag somebody. Let's slide back into the, um, the news. All right, here we go. Publishes Remote Access Security Guide. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency published the guide along with several partners, including the NSA, FBI, and Israel National Cyber Directorate. It highlights ways the agencies have observed threat actors abusing remote access software, from spear phishing campaigns to weak passwords or just plain social engineering. It also sets out how and why organizations should establish security baselines for remote access software in order to better spot malicious actors. All right. Bye. We talked about this on the show the other day. Obviously, the CISO series, um, the individuals who put the dailies together probably don't review each other's uh, streams to see uh, what they're doing. Here is the document. I'm going to drop this in chat. Oh, I can't drop it in chat. Guys, I downloaded uh, Adobe Acrobat, and now like it, it basically like takes over um, <laughs> remote access config guidelines. Oh my God, there you go. So there you go, uh, check that out. You can see here, uh, really well documented, intra-agency done. They've got, um, oh my dogs, hold on one second. <sighs> talk, about, talk amongst yourselves, give me one second. All right, excuse me. You can see here, they've got a full overview. So it is comprehensive in that it's like, here's how it's used maliciously. Here's how you can, here's different threat actors, TTPs for using it. It's a fairly technical involved document. It's not just, it, it's literally not just configure default accounts. So I'd recommend you check it out. Um, share it with your IT brethren. If I was still doing the newsletter, this would definitely be the IT peer story of the week. Uh, so check that out, definitely worth sharing dance accused of giving China activist data. In a U.S. court filing, former ByteDance executive Yin Tao Yu claimed the company granted Chinese Communist Party members super user credentials to ByteDance's services. This allowed them to identify and monitor users uploading protest-related content in Hong Kong. ByteDance did not employ these officials, although they allegedly operated out of ByteDance's offices. According to Yu, most senior executives knew about this access. ByteDance denied these claims, calling them baseless. Baseless. Okay. So it, it might be true. Here's the thing. When you're dealing with this level of um, espionage, you know, um, everybody who's accused is going to initially um, deny, right? Deny, deny, accuse. Isn't that always the, the deal? Oh, you're doing this. No, we're not. Yeah, you're doing this. No, you're not. Oh, you're doing this. You're doing that. You know, like you're just trying to cast the light onto me, right? So who knows, honestly, um, I'd like to think, I'd be curious who accused them. Um, you could see here, if you're uploading protest related content, you got flagged. Guys, this is one of the concerns that the United States has with TikTok, not just, you know, kind of dumbing down U.S. citizens by showing just entertainment content and um, kind of having like a Wally -E type society while they're pushing educational content to Chinese citizens, but also being able to massively see population um, developments, right? Or, or 
like if if there's like thousands of people in this geographical area all commenting on this thing you can infer that this thing's going on and it's a major story plus you can see like trending data of those type of posts hashtags right there's an incredible amount of data and when you start correlating it with you know the age of the person um maybe the the socioeconomic background of the person how many people in that area are doing it geographically speaking you can begin to make all sorts of like, you know, I guess, eye of Sauron type things happening. You can see here, um, they claim that the Chinese committee had a super user creds, God users, which could allow them to view all the data by ByteDance. If, you know, again, this tinfoil hat, I don't really feel like this is an overreach of a tinfoil hat hot take, okay? But... It, it appears that many Chinese-based businesses of any size or value, whether it's monetary value or it's information value, uh, the Chinese government <clears throat> inserts themselves in it, right? They either put a government official on the board of directors or they straight up um, like hamstring or not hamstring, but like basically like kneecap the business until they submit to uh, complying with, you know, whatever the Chinese government wants you to comply with. Um, we've seen this, we've seen this multiple times. I could pull up multiple news stories around this. So for ByteDance to give access to all, any and all data to the Chinese government in order for them to spy on Hong Kong, not surprising. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. I wouldn't, this is a little bit of a hot take. I wouldn't be surprised if this was happening with Taiwan, right? There's a major issue between China and Taiwan, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's it's very similar to like Russia and Ukraine, where China, you know, sees Taiwan as one of their city states, and Taiwan sees themselves as an independent country, and that obviously <laughs> doesn't reconcile. So, um, mass surveillance, mass mass surveillance is a weapon, and it's a it's a you know it's a base capability of an authoritative regime go check out 1984 by george orwell right it's this is this is what it looks like in a implemented fashion in a actual society right anyways like i don't think that like i don't think there's this is like definitely one of those like where there's smoke there's fire i don't think that this is you know outrageous or outlandish or you know, National Enquirer type news cover. I think that this is probably happening. North Korean threat group expands social engineering. Security researchers from Sentinel-1 outlined these new tactics from the North Korean-linked APT Kim Suki in a recent report. These attacks focused on attempting to steal Google and subscription credentials from a news and analyst service. The group used detailed emailed correspondence, fake URLs, and recon malware known as Recon Shark in this approach. In one instance, the attackers directly impersonated the founder of a Korean news outlet, sending draft articles for review. With correspondence established, the attackers lured victims to fake URLs to then steal credentials. The researchers noted this type of focused and detailed social engineering marks a new turn for the group. All right. So um, this is just an update. Um, this is an APT threat actor update. Kim Suki is the uh, North Korean APT. Uh, this is not Lazarus Group, okay? So this is a different one. Uh, Kim Suki is in the MITRE attack. Like, coincidentally, I was just looking at it the other day. Um, Kim Suki 
um, is basically doing social engineering attacks. They've updated it. It's classic, right? Phishing emails. They're stealing credentials with fake landing pages. What they do with it from there, I'm not 100% sure. Um, you can go look at um, MITRE ATT&CK to see what their, what their objectives are. It looks like they might be espionage level stuff. It, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, global spearfish campaign. Spearfishing being that they're targeting, they're not just uh, spraying and praying and hope they get something. They're actually targeting someone. Yes, Flaming Donkey has yet to make it to MITRE ATT&CK, but don't worry. Keep your eye out for Flaming Donkey, APT. They are, they are a thing. You know, it, it, for better or worse, um, you know, there's this NSA advisory right here coming up about Kim Suki, North Korean social engineering. Um, so think tanks, academia, and media. Okay, so this is who they're targeting. So I guess I would just say, if you work at a think tank, like there's not a ton of them, but RAND, MITRE. First of all, if you're from RAND or MITRE and you're watching this, what's up? <laughs> what's up? Give me, DM me. I'd love to know that uh, MITRE or RAND are up in this up in this space. Higher ed is a big place. That's a tough nut to crack. And then obviously media, uh, you can control media, get access to stories before they break, modify stories before they break, etc. cetera. Um, for better or worse, um, when I saw this story and I saw Sentinel-1, Sentinel-1 is a major EDR provider, but they are dealing with some crap right now. Uh, and I'll just share this really quickly without any editorial. And uh, we'll just show you what we're looking at here. So this is Sentinel-1 stock price. <laughs> Let's look at the last five days. I will just leave this right here. And that's all I'll say about that. So Sentinel-1, having a tough week. All right, let's keep going. Senegal continues daily internet shutdowns. Last week, the popular Senegal politician Osmane Sanko was sentenced to two years in prison on charges related to corrupting the youth. In response, protests erupted in the country, leading to the arrest of over 500 people. The country's interior minister announced it would limit internet access to stop the spread of so-called fake news around the protest. NetBlocks and Cloudflare both confirmed the government imposed a curfew-like shutdown of internet service. Currently, blocks remain in place from 1 p.m. to 2 a.m. across the country. The government initially tried to block access to specific social media platforms, but expanded blocks to wider internet access when users turned to VPNs. All ex all right, here we go. Here is another weapon. I, I don't know anything about Senegal, okay? So let me let me preface this, first of all. Um, shutting off internet access is yet another weapon of an authoritative regime. The individuals in Senegal are trying to use the internet, probably Twitter, uh, to or Telegram, but I would think Twitter, in order to coordinate to protest, to share information of, you know, civil rights abuses likely. I see Amnesty International is involved, so definitely human rights violations. And the government is claiming, nope, you are poisoning our youth. You are a threat to public safety. We are shutting the internet off to our citizens in order to control this um, contagion from spreading, okay? What is actually happening is the people in power are using everything in their, uh, everything within their reach in order to continue to keep power. That is what's happening. Another thing I want to point out to you right here. Do you see how they've circled where the internet dips every single night? 
as they black out, essentially do rolling blackouts of the internet. This is no different than back in the day having curfews. You're not allowed out past 10 p.m. because you're not going to be coordinating and meeting in uh, secret hideouts to plan the revolution. What I want to call your attention to here, and it jumped out to me, is that it doesn't go to zero. Okay? It dips down, but it doesn't go to zero, which means they're not shutting off the internet wholesale. They're shutting off the internet to a population, a part of the population. The, I guarantee you, this is, don't even use the tinfoil hat emo because this is a guarantee. I guarantee you the individuals who are continuing to use the internet are the ones that are in control, the ones who are in the authoritative position of power, the ones who are trying to nerf the revolution. Now, again, in full disclosure, I don't know what's going on in Senegal. I don't know if they are having some type of like cult uprising. But if I had to guess, if I had to guess, there's some atrocities going on. The people have reached a point of wanting to coup or overthrow the government because of their outrage. And the government is suppressing it by nerfing this. We famously saw this same exact technique, if you want to see history repeat itself, in Turkey uh, in the 2010s time frame. And uh, it had to do with corruption and the family in power and stealing money from the, the, Federal, the Turkish reserve and stuff like that and giving it to the sun. But Turkey did the same thing. They basically took Twitter offline because Twitter was main thing. And um, there's like famous pictures of, unfortunately, whoever was in charge of Turkey was kind of a... <laughs> It was kind of a hack because all they did was like sinkhole twitter.com for DNS resolution. And if you don't know what that means, basically, if you typed in twitter.com, you, you would get like a, a, a 404 page not found. And there's like famous pictures of Google DNS. Uh, so you can change your DNS resolver on your computer and have it go to wherever you want. Google offers free DNS at the IP address 8.8.8.8. .8 .8 .8. And you could see it spray painted in places where people would be able to change their DNS resolver and instantly Twitter would resolve and then you could continue the revolution. So um, I love that, um, you know, there's, there's mechanisms in place for a majority of a population to be able to coordinate and not suffer injustices from authoritative individuals. Again, I don't know what's going on in... Um, in Senegal, but, um, you know, they're, they're, these are rolling blackouts of internet, basically. So stay tuned on that one. Experienced cybersecurity professionals were, at one time, very green. Entry-level status means risk to your organization. All right. Hey, hey, that's it for the, the news. Before you go anywhere, doo-doo-doo. All right, guys, I want to share with you really quickly. If you were here just for the news, I genuinely appreciate it. But I want to tell you something awesome. All right, this would be absolutely huge for you to hear. Okay, where's my where's my little read? Dun, 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 dun. All right, guys, it is Thursday, June 8th, which means that today we're going live at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time and digging deep into the challenges with securing a fleet of PC systems. Managing your own phone and tablet and laptop is one thing, and that's pretty easy. But when you have like 5,000 devices that you're responsible for ensuring, are secure from nasty business like boot kits, root kits, malware, the challenge is really much greater. We're gonna be joined today by Venki Venkateswaran, sorry about that Venki, it's, it's a mouthful, Venkateswaran from Intel, 
to discuss how cybersecurity professionals like us help solve this challenge for ourselves and more importantly, for our IT counterparts because we want to help our IT friends out too. We're going to cover business continuity, patch management, and securing the system from the firmware up. We're going to go all the way deep down into the firmware today, guys. We'll also spend time looking at the Intel vPro platform and how it gets involved in this bit of business. Today, Thursday, June 8th, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to drop a link in the description below. I would absolutely, genuinely, genuinely appreciate you showing up, um, asking questions, being engaged. I know you guys always bring the heat as a, as a community, um, but today today's a good one. Uh, you can see I'm wearing like, I'm not wearing a security t-shirt. I'm wearing a button down because this is Intel. This guy is really, really smart and he's going to be bringing a lot of knowledge and I want to I wanna share it with you. So please come check it out. I think you're going to get a lot of value from it. Also, really quickly, Recon InfoSec every single Thursday runs the Thursday Defensive. This is 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 12.30 Central. It's absolutely free. It's not recorded. It is a Zoom session with industry professionals, and it's it's just all about good times. I try to make it as often as I can. If you watched Eric Capuano's How to Build a Sock Lab, I made a bunch of videos on it. I interviewed Eric. It is helping many people in our industry go to the next level with sock learning this is his show this thursday defensive so come check it out giddy up on it and then um finally the simply CyberCon is coming i'll spend a few minutes in jaw jacking to talk about it but if you were here just for the news i genuinely appreciate it apologies to base case and ncc group for going five minutes over but i hope you got value for the stream thank you all very much now Let's jaw jack. All right, guys. The Simply CyberCon, just as an update on that, myself and the other uh, stream leads, so like leading, like Kimberly over marketing, um, Joel and Aaron over Discord, uh, Eric over technologies, Jenny over CTF. We're, we're all meeting tomorrow, Friday, June 7th, privately, right? Normally we do a live stream transparency meeting, but for tomorrow, we're just going to meet. We're going to talk about um all the speakers have submitted so we're gonna um basically sort that out then we're going to figure out how many each stream lead needs for volunteers guys you came with a thunder as far as volunteers go but we're gonna go and we're gonna say how many actual volunteers we need for certain things and then we're gonna try to select some people uh if you don't get picked for volunteer don't sweat it as we get closer to the event on november 8th uh there will be more opportunities to volunteer so don't sweat that um, I hope you're super pumped. Um, I hope you're super pumped. Also, just as a little teaser, this, this is just something for you guys to remind me in a few weeks. Kimberly McKnight has made t-shirts for this event. I have, I have bought one. Okay. And, uh, before we release it mainstream, I'm waiting to get it to make sure that the, um, the ink doesn't leak. And like, basically we, we want to do like a quality control initially before we tell everybody about it but dude the shirts are insane they are insanely cool i can't wait to, i can't wait to share like i was so pumped when kimberly sent it to me it's like bananas how cool it is so uh stay tuned for that i should get the shirt in like a week or something um and i'll be at the um mobile studio you guys will see it and because simply cybercon is completely non-profit um 
the shirts are incredibly affordable. It's basically the price of like the shirt maker making the shirt, right? So um, we intentionally made the conference nonprofit. Uh, Simply Cyber does generate revenue and profit. And I'm sure you guys all know that, but the con we intentionally did nonprofit. Kimberly ordered one also. Yeah, it's sold at cost plus shipping. You guys are going to love it, okay? You guys are going to love it. That's the end of it, right? Like, you're going to, like, trust me. You, I, I just, I'm sorry I even teased it out there because now all you're going to do is think about that shirt, but it's so cool. All right. Um, I don't know. What else kind of jaw jack and stuff you guys want to jam on? I got, I got about 10 minutes here. If you, if you guys want to hang. Um, oh my God. Let me get the dog really quick. All right. I would show you my dog, but I'm all, I'm all plugged in right now. Uh, how many DMs a day do you get? I can't believe you have time to reply. It's appreciated. Hey, Jesse. I would say I probably get like 50 or 60 DMs a day. And I, and I, I literally can't reply to all of them. So if you've ever DM'd me and I didn't reply, I, you know, sincerely, you know, it's regrettable, but I just, the I can't. Um, I do respond to some, but it, it's it's usually more you know, sporadic and, and not really based on anything. Uh, the sign up to volunteer. Kimberly, can you help uh, William Welch, please, uh, in chat? Hybrid work versus on-prem. Companies having problems with this? Uh, I don't know if pro- companies are having problem. I mean, the deal with um, remote. See, here's my thing. If you're going to be hybrid, here's the thing, okay? If you're going to be remote, then be remote. If you're going to be hybrid, then all, in my opinion, all you're really doing is offering some benefit to your employee base, but you're basically on-prem, right? It's like you're hybrid. Like you still have to live close enough to be able to be on-prem two days a week or something. So you're basically on-prem and then you just get to work like Mondays and Fridays from home. So that's more of a convenience than it is like the true hybrid work model. Um, there is benefits to being on-prem versus remote, right? You can, it's not about having an eagle eye on your staff and making sure they're working but it's it's you know there's like you know water cooler talks conversations you can quickly run over to someone's office and be like hey like i'm trying to pivot on this thing can you give me a quick answer right so like there is some benefit to that i would argue the benefit of remote workforce is far greater simply for the following reason when i need to hire a grc analyst right let's just pick a random position i I need to hire a grc analyst well, if I'm on-prem and I'm hard fast to it, my population of potential candidates is small, right? And maybe someone's going to move here, but, you know, that's 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 a whole other thing. If you make it remote, well, now I've got tens of thousands of candidates. And, I mean, it's a larger population. I can pick who I want. And I'm sorry to say this part, but, like, economically, I can you know, get more value for my dollar and these type of things. So, you know, there's that. Plus I love remote work and I, we've been doing it for years, guys. Like I've, I know you can deliver great value remotely. So that's what it is. How much does it cost to run a YouTube channel? Gary Sturgiatis, interesting question. So, you know, what's really funny guys. Um, Gary Sturgiatis just asked, how is it, how expensive is it to run a YouTube channel? Why is that interesting? Let me show you why. Um, Gary, you always ask great questions. 
of course, Gary worked in food and bev for a while, dealing with people a lot. So I, I, he, he, he's uh, trained in asking great questions. All right, hold on one second. I'm going to show you something. Um, and, I'll, and then I'll answer your question, okay? So check this out, guys. I've been working on this um, Simply Cyber Complete Practical YouTuber course. Um, and I filmed all of... Um, I filmed all of... Um, oh, did I? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I guess uh, James Randolph, I actually asked to be asked that question. I had forgotten. Um, I filmed... Um, I am started filming this YouTube course and I filmed the top things, but literally last night I filmed this course right here, or this lecture, how much does it cost to have a YouTube channel? So like I literally just recorded this, which is probably why I asked you to ask me. Here's the deal. You can have a YouTube channel for absolutely free. Hold on one second. Let me, you can, did we get a, a simply, oh, Anthony Pensabine. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that Anthony has got the baton. You can have a YouTube channel for free-ish, okay? The TLDR is you can pay $0 for your YouTube channel. In the world of consulting, there's a really famous phrase, okay? Good, fast, cheap. Pick two. If you're going to deliver some service to a client, that is what you have to tell them. You have to say, hey, listen, ma'am, I can deliver a risk assessment, right? I can deliver a quantified risk assessment. I can deliver a, I can, I can help you with your ransomware incident. Good, fast, cheap. You get to pick two, which two do you want? Because if it's fast and it's good, it's not going to be cheap. If it's going to be fast and cheap, it's not going to be good. If it's going to be good and cheap, it's going to take a while, right? Cause you're not prioritized. So with a YouTube channel, what I have discovered is that like, for example, making uh, like like this stream right here, I pay for Restream. Restream is a platform that allows me to push to YouTube and LinkedIn and controlled feeds. And I do the I do the interviews on Thursday, just like later today with Vinky, which you guys will see through Restream. I pay, I think $20 a month for Restream, right? 240 bucks a year. Why do I, but you could do it for free. Well, Jerry, why don't you do it for free? Well, because right where Marcus Seiler's comment is on at Jesse Johnson, you're welcome. There'd be a big fat restream watermark on the screen. Now, you might be okay with that. And that's the deal, right? Good, fast, and cheap. So I can have it fast and cheap, but in my opinion, the quality would be impacted because I'd have a watermark on my, on my, on my stream, right? So I pay for it. Same with Canva, okay? Canva is an amazing platform for graphic arts, right? But a lot of their templates are behind the paywall, for lack of a better term, but they have tons of ones that you can use. So if you wanted to, if you saw one behind the paywall and you really liked it, you could use the free ones to assemble something very similar to the paid one. So now you don't have to pay money, good, fast, and cheap. Well. Good and cheap is what you're going to get there, but it's going to take you time. It's going to take you time to build that premium looking, you know, graphic that you could have got for free or could have got if you just paid for the monthly thing. Canvas, 10 bucks a month. I pay for that because I, as you guys can imagine, I don't have a lot of time. Time is like incredibly valuable to me. So paying 10 bucks a month so I can save time 
it, it's a no-brainer. And then it's obviously easier because the YouTube, like Simply Cyber makes it, you know, about $2,000 a month. So like I'm able to account for these costs and just invest it back into the stream, which is why I thank Barricade Cyber and Panopsi and all of the squad members who, who contribute monthly into Simply Cyber because I take that money, not all of it, right? It, like I don't, I don't try to spend all of it. I just invest back into the stream. That's why I'm going to have a new studio pretty soon. That's why I got this blue light right here. That's why I got this microphone, right? So you can do it all for free, but good, fast, and cheap, right? So, and and if you've been a regular of the squad, you'll notice uh, over the years my quality has slowly improved one by one. Even this. Um, like, look at the stream right now, okay? Like, this look, the background, the, the the pulsing Simply Cyber sign. I paid a graphic artist to develop this. If you go back and look at the original Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, it was, like, just me and the chat up on the window. I didn't have graphics. I didn't have, like, look at this transition, like that wavy transition thing. I paid a graphic artist to do that. And it's just about good, fast, and cheap. To me, I'm improving the good, and the speed, because I had a graphic artist do it instead of me fumbling around to do it, but it wasn't cheap. You, you see what I'm saying? So hopefully that is clear to everybody. And if this is interesting to you, stay tuned, because I got a whole freaking course coming out um, on on crushing YouTube. Now, listen, there's a lot of videos out there on or, or courses on how to be good at YouTube. My course is specifically how to like make a YouTube channel with like kind of the major benefit coming out of it, professional networking and professional development. Um, you know, Simply Cyber is my channel. It, in the last three years, it has given me so much. It's given me so much, it's ridiculous. Like I, I've interviewed Keith Adams and John Strand and Rob Lee and I've, I've met all these wonderful people. I've given back to the community. I've developed the GRC course. I, I get to do the daily threat briefing every day. I've introduced you guys to my kids and my dog and, and you know, like it's 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 awesome. And it's because of YouTube. So giddy up on it. Oh, I don't know why it says zero. Right now we have 196 people in here with the counter reading 185. Thanks, Lucy Samuel. Alexandra wants to apply for the beta. No, so right now the um, the YouTube course is closed right now. Um, I have a couple people in there, but it's closed right now. And once I develop, here's the deal. Here's what I've decided, okay? Right now, you could see there's module one, module two, module three, and there's total of, I think, 11 modules or 12 modules. I forgot to put a number in front of this one. There's 12 modules, okay? My plan is to complete modules one, two, and three, and then I'm gonna open it up for 10 students, okay? This this course is gonna cost money, but I will offer the 10 alpha students a discounted price. It'll open. It'll only open to 10 students. A couple people have DM'd me, and I will make an effort to get to get them uh, first right or refusal. But then you'll be able to get into it while I continue to make the content. Okay, so you'll be an alpha student. Once it's gone through alpha, I will launch the course and I will definitely make it available um, to the Simply Cyber community. Um, you know, like there'll be like a whole launch and stuff like that. So it'll be cool. 
Uh, but there's only going to be, you know, a limited uh, alpha, uh, 10, 10 people. Because I can't incorporate feedback from like 100 people. Like, it'll just overwhelm me, so... I just know so many people who are like, I really want to start a YouTube channel, but I don't know how. Can you show me? And I'm like, all right, I'll just make a course on this. All right. Yeah, I mean, if you guys... Uh, I don't want to comment on the Sentinel-1 stuff, Gary. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. What do you think a good free sim is? I tried Waza, but you have but have had issues getting it set up. Um Waza's good. Um Security Onion is a very good one. Um you know, like you can do that. Gray log. Eric Capuano loves himself some gray log. And there's a lot of information out there on gray log, so check those out. All right. Kimberly's dropping gray log. Yep. Oh, God, the coffee. All right. I'm just watching chat now. Hanging out, guys. I hope you guys can attend. I, I, I don't want to get into too much detail, but, like, I really hope you guys can make this stream today. It's a... Uh, it's a big one for Simply Cyber. I booked my flight for Vegas. Um, if you guys want to chat about that for a minute, I booked my flight for Vegas yesterday uh, for Hacker Summer Camp, aka Black Hat DefCon. I'll be there Monday through Saturday. Uh, the Simply Cyber Community Meetup is going to be on Friday. Uh, details to follow from that. kind of beer I've been drinking. You know what's funny, Gary? I love, um, I know it's like summertime and stuff like that. I love great dark beer. I have been drinking um, great, like I'll talk about beers that are accessible to people. Uh, great Divides Yeti. The Great Divide Yeti is amazing. Let me show that really quickly on stream. I've been drinking that one. And uh, there's a brewery out of uh, Charlotte that I think, I think secretly InBev, purchased called sycamore um and they have one called um slurricane that i like guys check this beer out this is so good this right here oh this is del if you see this oh if you see this make it make a stop pull over get in this <laughs> it's gonna be good Oh, nice, Gary. You know, Gary, um, I'm a, I just I have a tough time with uh, loggers. I like ales. Look at this. I, I don't know if I would sit next to this guy at the bar. <laughs> yee, 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 yee. All right, guys. I'll finally be able to get Spotted Cow from Wisconsin. I've heard really good things about Spotted Cow. I've never been there. I've definitely heard multiple people talk about some Spotted Cow. Hey, what's up? Did you shout? Hey, all right. Hey, let me get out of here. Give me one second, bud. Okay. Uh, DP, great stream. Thanks so much for the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right, guys. Be good. Thank you all so very much. Okay, my youngest says hello. Here, you want to just yell it? 
There you go. <laughs> Hopefully they heard you. Um, did you just say Slurricane? I, I don't know what E40 is, but yeah, Slurricane. Check this out really quickly. One second. I'll take care of it in one second. All right. Um, is it in the hallway? Okay, I'll take care of it. Thank you. I definitely got to go. My dog puked. All right, so this is the Slurricane from Sycamore. If you see this one, drop on that one. That'll be a good one, too. Thanks, Gary. I appreciate it. All right, guys. You guys are all wonderful people. Definitely starting the Thursday strong. Cheers to all of you. Shout out to the Air Force. This is a gift from a uh, loadmaster. All right, guys. I'll see you in Vegas, or I'll see you in Deadwood, or I'll see you on the stream later today at 4.30 p.m. Guys, thank you all so very much for being wonderful. Keep, keep being supportive. Keep being inclusive. Keep rocking and rolling. You guys are the best. I'm Jerry. You're the Simply Cyber community. Until 4.30 p.m. later today, stay secure. Be good, everybody. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one.